This week on Myths and Legends, it's the story of Guest, the Viking Guest. You'll see how angry prophetesses that want you dead might actually be really good for your health and how a candle can literally light your way. The creature this week will show you that moisturizing your skin is very important, but not as important as hiding your 10-foot-long tail with a mouth on the end of it. This is Myths and Legends, episode 144, The Old Gods and the New. This is a podcast where I tell stories from mythology and folklore. Some are incredibly popular stories you think you know, but with surprising origins. Others are stories that might be new to you, but are definitely worth a listen. Today's story about the Viking Age isn't set in the Viking Age, but about 300 years later, when Scandinavia had largely converted to Christianity. We'll start in the court of King Olaf, the king of Norway in the 11th century. I also want to note that if you haven't listened to the Saga of the Volsungs, episodes 3a through 3e, and the Saga of Ragnar Lothbrok in episodes 13a and b, we do mention some spoilers to those stories. Also, listening back to those episodes for this one, they're a little rough around the edges. So I just want to put something out there. If you all want me to go back and rewrite and re-record stories like the Volsungs, Aladdin, Mulan, Koshay the Deathless, and more, and release them as new episodes, let me know. This podcast has changed a lot in four years, and it's something I would personally like to do, but only if people want to listen to them. So let me know via Twitter, Facebook, comments on the site, email, Raven, telepathy, really however you want. All right, we'll jump into a scene at King Olaf's court with a surprising new visitor. My name is Guest, announced the man standing before King Olaf of Norway. Is this a joke? The king boomed. I said you were a guest here, no matter what you're called. No, but I'm actually guest, your majesty. I'm son of Thor the Contentious of Denmark, the stranger insisted. Oh my gosh, yes, you're a guest. And, oh, nope, I get it. Definitely got it now. Guest is your name, King Olaf said, looking at the anachronistic clock on the wall as the final seconds ticked away from his workday. And we're done. Olaf said with a smile and the clap of his hands. He turned to Guest, the guest, and told him the meat hall was down the hall, and beds were somewhere. Have fun and good night. Guest bowed low and thanked the man, but the king was already putting on his sweatpants and pouring himself a goblet of wine. His workday was done. After a great dinner with his warriors, King Olaf decided to turn in early. He was kneeling by the edge of his bed, saying his nightly prayers, when he heard a sound at the door. He looked up and froze. King Olaf had never lived in the Norway of the old gods. He was baptized a Christian in his youth, just like his father and grandfather. Of course, he knew the stories of Odin, Thor, Loki, Freya, and the others. He knew of Asgard, Jotunheim, Alfheim, Helheim, but they were the myths of his ancestors. Stories. Or so he thought until he found himself looking into the grinning face of an elf of Alfheim. He was exactly as the stories described them, slender and tall, with a pallor both beautiful and repulsive. It made Olaf's skin crawl. It shouldn't exist, and yet here it was. The elf had walked straight through a locked door, and when it was sure Olaf saw it, the elf continued down the hall. King Olaf leapt up from his prayers and peeked his head out the door. The glow of the being continued down the hall, and King Olaf couldn't help but follow it, ducking behind pillar after pillar as he crept. 
when the elf reached the room at the end of the hall, it turned and looked King Olaf in the eye. An empty house and a mighty strong bolt on the door. People say that the king is the wisest of men. If he were clever in things of this kind, as they say, he would not sleep so soundly. With those words, the elf vanished, leaving the king staring at the door at the end of the hall. Hey, so I know I should probably know who's sleeping in my house, but I say a lot of stuff from that throne that I don't exactly keep track of. So who is sleeping in the room at the end of the hall? The king asked the man who ran his household. The man nodded and shared that it was the new guy from the night before. He said his name was Guest? It sounded fake. The king nodded and slapped the man on the back. Excellent. At dinner that night, the king straddled the bench next to Guest. He smiled and asked if Guest was enjoying the free food and rooms and stuff, and also was he baptized? Guest put down his food and cocked his head. Pardon? King Olaf smiled. It was an easy question. Had Guest been baptized? Guest said that, you know, it's kind of a personal thing, isn't it? <laughs> King Olaf chuckled. Not at this stage in world history, it isn't. Guest sucked a piece of food from his teeth and sighed. No, no, he had never been baptized. Also, wow, the descendants of the Vikings really went hard in the other direction after converting to Christianity, didn't they? Went from violently murdering monks to violently proselytizing, huh? King Olaf shrugged. What could he say? They didn't do things halfway. He laid out the situation before Guest. Guest was obviously a smart guy. He was a wandering traveler who had made it into the king's court with just his courtesy and words the night before. He was strong, too, if a little old. Guest had complete freedom to stay and join the king's retinue if he was baptized. So, I don't have complete freedom to stay, then, if I'm not baptized, Guest asked before taking another bite. The king wasn't about to argue semantics. Get baptized and stay in the king's retinue, or don't, and leave. Guest's choice. Regardless, those elves were creepy as all get out, and the king did not want them in his house. Guest had made them vulnerable when he crossed himself upon entering King Olaf's house. But he was still, as the story calls him, a heathen. Guest thanked the king and said he'd think about it. Also, sorry about the elf thing. That happens sometimes. The king swore a lot about King Svein of Denmark, letting unbaptized guys wander around from country to country. Guest, of course, insisted that it wasn't King Svein's fault. It had been a long time since he had been to Denmark, ever since Emperor Otto burned the Daneward and forced the conversions of King Harold Gorson and Earl Hakon the Heathen. King Olaf narrowed his eyes at Guest as the man resumed eating, but a commotion at the front stole his attention away from a string of names that couldn't possibly be correct. It was getting close to Yule, the holiday season, and as such, many people were coming to Norway to winter with the esteemed King Olaf. One such person was Ulf the Red, which essentially means Red Wolf. He'd been out on the king's business all summer, guarding the coast from Danish raids, and he returned, bearing gifts. There was one gift that was particularly beautiful, a forced tribute from King Halfdan Yulfing. Ah, forced tributes, the best type of tributes, Olaf bellowed. All right, let's see what they had. Ulf the Red produced a ring. It was a ring that had been welded together from seven different metals, each of which was more beautiful than any ring any person in King Olaf's court had ever seen. Well, 
almost anyone in King Olaf's court had ever seen. Each person was more amazed than the last as they passed it around the great hall. But then they passed it to Guest, who looked at it, shrugged, and passed it on to the next guy. Whoa, 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 what was that? King Olaf demanded. What was what? Guest asked. It was a nice ring. It's the nicest ring, is what you meant, yeah? Mm, no. Probably the, uh, I don't know, sixth nicest ring I've seen. Maybe it cracks the top five. Are you joking? Ulf the Red spoke up. The new guy better explain himself. Shrugging, Guest explained that he had seen gold that was better. This shouldn't be difficult to understand. Red scoffed. Yeah, right. Okay, bet time. He'd bet money that Guest couldn't prove it. With arms raised in surrender, Guest shook his head. Well, he was out. He didn't have money. Ulf gestured to Guest's belt. Fine then. He'd wager against Guest's belt and knife that he had never seen a piece of gold this beautiful. Guest face-palmed. Don't do this, man. It, you're just going to humiliate yourself. At this point, Ulf was fuming and doubled his wager. Guest could see that there was no way out of this situation without explaining himself. He only had one belt. He looked to the window and saw that it was already starting to get dark. He took a candle from his pocket, lighting it on another. He set it on the table before him and dug deep into one of his pockets. He produced a pouch, and from that pouch, he revealed the most beautiful piece of gold the room had ever seen. It wasn't a ring, though. It was a saddle buckle from a horse. The king strode over and eyed the buckle. Then the ring, then back to the buckle. I mean... The king started. Yeah, Ulf the Red replied, and started digging money from his pouch. Guest put his hand on Ulf's arm and shook his head. Ulf should keep his money, and maybe don't make stupid bets with strangers. You never knew when you meet someone who'd seen more than you, and Guest had seen a lot more than Ulf. The king broke in. Yeah, obviously. Guest was carrying around a piece of gold worth more than the building he was sitting in. How did that happen? Guest returned the gold to his pouch. The king wouldn't believe it if Guest told him. The king shrugged. Try me. Sitting back, his face illuminated by the candle, Guest began his story. Guest said that he was born in Denmark as the son of the Viking Thorth the Contentious, which... Yes, he knew it was redundant. All Vikings were contentious. Let's just get past it. Well, Guest grew up learning to fight, sail, blah, 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 until it came time to leave home. At that time, there was just one man Guest wanted to serve. Sigurd. Uh, Sigurd who? King Olaf demanded. This is the 1000s AD. I personally know hundreds of Sigurds. Guest nodded to the king and continued guest, there would only ever be one Sigurd. The Sigurd. For those that didn't know the story of the Volsungs, Guest went on to provide a little background. Basically, they were this cursed family that Odin started. They traveled around the world murdering people and being murdered by people until things stabilized with a lot of conquest and death on the part of Sigmund, son of Volsung, and his children. One of whom was the kid who would become the legendary dragon slayer, Sigurd Fafnisbane. Well, Guest caught up with him one day when he was in the kingdom of Denmark. 
It was big news back in the day. King Olaf stopped guest, pinching the bridge of his nose. Yeah, way back in the day. Did guest mean to say that he was there when Regan crafted the legendary sword, Graham, for Sigurd? And when Sigurd cut the anvil in half to test its sharpness? Was guest really trying to say that he was there when Sigurd killed Fafnir and got the cursed Anvari's ring? I mean, spoilers, but yeah, guest replied. The whole time it was Sigurd, Regan, and Sigurd's cool best friend Guest, along for the ride. He was carrying his stuff, checking to see if he, you know, needed light snacks like six almonds. Did Guest help kill the dragon Fafnir? In a literal sense, no, no he didn't. But he was at a safe distance, silently cheering Sigurd on. Guest couldn't say definitively, but he was pretty sure that that made the difference between life and death for Sigurd Fafnisbane, as he would come to be called. Guest had watched as Sigurd hid in the hole waiting for the right moment to bury his sword, named Graham, inside the dragon's belly. When the scene cleared, Fafnir was dead, and Guest had made his way back to start building a fire. You know, so they could cook the dragon's heart. Now, Guest had a bad feeling that the dwarf, named Regan, was obviously manipulating Sigurd and killing Fafnir. But had Sigurd listened to Guest? No. It was only when the bird said it that Sigurd actually paid attention to it. And yeah, apparently Sigurd could hear the speech of birds. He got that power from eating the dragon's heart, and he offered Guest a bite of the heart. But Guest politely refused. Who needed countless annoying tweets distracting you and bringing you down all day? Sigurd cut Regan the dwarf's head off, and for like 10 minutes he was in the clear. Until he discovered Anvari Nut, Anvari's ring. In the meat hall, Guest turned to King Olaf. You know how you get a piece of jewelry and it kind of curses you and the world forever? King Olaf, Ulf, and everyone shook their heads. That, that was not a universal experience. Well, anyway, Guest had followed Sigurd to Fafnir's lair, lugged a lion's share of the treasure, like it would be cool if that was ever mentioned in the stories, and along the way, the birds told Sigurd via his secret bird language to go meet some girl named Brynhild. Guest hung back while Sigurd approached the tower. It was surrounded by fire. Of course, Grani, Sigurd's horse, wouldn't let Guest ride him. But Guest was pretty okay with not jumping over flames in the first place. Several hours later, Sigurd had emerged, smelling like beer. Apparently, he'd met someone in the burning tower. Guest continued, as all women love, Sigurd woke her up by cutting off her clothes. Brynhild was actually pretty appreciative about that because she was a Valkyrie, one of Odin's shield maidens, who took deserving warriors to Valhalla. Odin had wanted to marry her off for some reason. When she refused, he poked her with a thorn that made her sleep forever, and surrounded her keep with fire so that no man could wake her. Turned out, however, that she had vowed to only marry a man if he knew no fear. And since Sigurd passed the test, my bro was engaged. And the most important thing to do after you get engaged, as we all know, is to not drink wine from suspicious witches. King Olaf and the rest of the table nodded at that one. Yeah, of course, basic Viking and life rules. Well, before the bloodbath ensued, because Sigurd drank the wine of forgetfulness and married another woman after promising himself to a Valkyrie, he and his best bug guest were on a walk when Grani, Sigurd's horse and the son of Odin's eight-legged spider horse, Sleipnir, got stuck in the mud. Sigurd pulled and pulled, and just before Grani came loose, the solid gold saddle buckle flew off and landed in the mud. Guest had picked it up and handed it to Sigurd, 
but the hero only stood there with a smirk. He told Guest that Guest had been such a loyal servant over the years that he could hold on to the saddle buckle. Guest looked at the saddle buckle, at Sigurd's solid gold armor, and Guest thought of how many weeks he had spent shuffling back and forth between Sigurd's kingdom and Fafnir's treasure hoard, throwing out his back from carrying so much treasure. Thank you, Master, Guest said, and put the gold in his pouch. As Guest was coming back from his first vacation in 20 years, he was whistling. The R&R was nice, but it would be good to get back into the swing of things, and he didn't want to think about how many emails he would have. Oh. Huh. Why were there marauders roaming the countryside, looking for anyone with any association to Sigurd? As it turned out, Brynhild had finally sought her revenge from him breaking his promise and marrying another. And though I feel like which juice that makes you forget about said promise is a pretty solid out for most promises, Brynhild thought differently and had Sigurd stabbed in his bed. Brokenhearted, she then stabbed herself and threw herself on Sigurd's pyre. And now the ruling family, that both Sigurd and Brynhild have married into, was really angry one way or the other about the betrayal. They were actively hunting down anyone linked to either Sigurd or Brynhild. Seeing as the brutal death of his master was a pretty good time to tender his resignation, Guest did exactly that, by running as fast as he could away from the city. But then he remembered. Her. saga of the Volsungs is hopelessly complicated, Sigurd actually did end up having a child with Brynhild from that first night that they were together. Guest, because he was the self-proclaimed best friend of Sigurd, knew all about their secret child, a girl by the name of Oslog, who had been left with King Hymer, Brynhild's foster father. Guest would never quite figure out what happened to King Hymer, because by the time he reached the city the man ruled, the king had left with nothing but a harp, Mind racing, Guest rightfully deduced that Oslog had been whisked away in the instrument, secretly, after diverting the watch away from the king's root. For the first time in nearly 30 years, Guest didn't know what to do, so he joined up with some Viking leaders, did some light pillaging and whatnot, but it all kind of lacked the flair of the hobbit-like dragon slaying and cool secret layers of gold, and the decidedly uncool Lord of the Rings-like cursed magic rings that turned everyone into anxious traitors. And then, another name began to make its way across the sea. Ragnar Shaggy Breaches. Ragnar Lothbrook was the son of a king. And there was another, completely unrelated king, with a soon-to-be-related daughter named Thora. Now that king was a good one, and gave his daughter a pet. A cute little lizard. Unfortunately for Thora, and pretty much everyone in that king's kingdom, it turned out to be a dragon. Unfortunately, this dragon was not quite the well-trained Dracarys kind, and more just the feral, angry lizard kind. To be fair, when your kid's pet starts spewing poison and eating oxen whole, you might need to start thinking of a rehoming option. But since there was no shelter for wayward pet dragons, the king announced a basic dragon-slaying package. Whoever killed the dragon 
would get to marry his daughter. Enter Ragnar Harry Pants. He put on the pair of set hairy pants covered in sand and tar to protect himself from the creature's bite, and he went to work. When the dragon was dead, his name echoed with praise across the known world, and Guest found him. Wait, okay, so let me get this straight. You're saying that you served under both Sigurd Fafnisbane and Ragnar Lothbrok, two of the greatest Vikings in our history, King Olaf asked. Guest nodded. Yeah, is there a problem? King Olaf guffawed. Both of those men lived like two or three hundred years ago. Mm-hmm, Guest replied. King Olaf facepalmed. Whatever. Guest cleared his throat and spoke again. This one wasn't quite as epic as the last, he admitted, but he found Ragnar and became one of his most trusted advisors. So he was there on a day when a strange, beautiful woman came walking up to the ship. So caught up with this woman's beauty were all the men that they had managed to burn Ragnar's bread when they were baking at the house of some peasants. They'd never seen anything like her before, and in order to test her wits, Ragnar had asked her to come over to the ship, neither naked nor clothed, neither fasting nor eating, neither alone nor in company. And so she arrived, wearing a net, biting an onion, and with only a dog as a companion. It was Guest that told her of her father and her legacy. Apparently, King Heimer had been murdered by peasants as he was passing through with Oslog and his harp, and the pair of peasants didn't have the stomach to murder a child, so they kept her and raised her. Guest bowed low, swearing himself to the protection of her and her children, as he had promised Sigurd, you know, with one glaring exception. She accepted. So Guess was there when she married Ragnar, when they had sons Ivar the Boneless, Bjorn Ironside, Sigurd Snake in the Eye, named such because he was called Sigurd, and his eye had the image of a serpent in it, and Guess was also there when Oslog warned Ragnar not to go to England, and when she gave him the magical shiny shirt that protected him. He was with her when she learned that Ragnar had been betrayed by a king in England and murdered in a snake pit. After that, Guest traveled with Ivar the Boneless on his journey to England and entered the service of the king who betrayed his father. For years, Ivar worked with the man, and because of Ivar's intelligence, he won the king's trust. At times, Ivar even ruled in the king's stead. Of course, Ivar's brothers were repulsed by this until they invaded. You see, while Ivar served the king, he gained knowledge of the earls and nobles. Guest was the one running payments to those who would take them, and threats to those who wouldn't, so that, when Ivar's brothers and the others showed up at the head of what would be called the Great Heathen Army, all of the King of England's warriors found that, wow, fighting on that day just really didn't work out for them. They had, like, their kid's recital and a doctor's appointment and a guy was coming to fix the internet, They were super sorry, but they just couldn't make it. The king of England would be fine. Except he wasn't, and the Vikings rewarded him for what he had done to Ragnar by giving him something called a blood eagle, which is the single most violent thing I've ever described in this podcast on episode 13b, and I will not be doing it again. So, no worries if you have kids listening. After the invasion and the death of the king of England, the sons of Ragnar Lothbrok traveled home. All but Ivar, that is. Ivar stayed in England, and guessed along with him. Eventually, Oslog, the daughter of Sigurd and Brynhild, died old and happy as a queen in Denmark. When it came time for Ivar to die, 
guest oversaw his last wishes. He was to be buried facing the sea, on the coast most susceptible to raiding. As long as he stayed in his coffin, England would be safe. Time passed, and Geth stayed there in a thatch hut, waiting for a call to adventure that never came. In fact, he waited until the 11th century, when William the Conqueror came from Normandy. Hearing of Ivar's tomb, he pried it open, and found that Ivar had not decayed at all. He and his men then poured over England's shores in the Norman conquest. Guest's home had changed. His world had changed. The people these days, they didn't seem to loom quite as large as the heroes of the past. The Vikings were no more. The people of Scandinavia had left their old gods and become Christians. For the first time in a long time, Guest began to feel like it was time to move on. Like it was time for him to go, too. Wow, that was a good story, King Olaf broke in. 100% fake, but good. He made to rise, but Guest answered him. I can prove it, Guest offered, looking into the fire of the candle before him. And how are you going to do that, King Olaf said. It was a story, legends. Anyone can say anything. I can prove it by dying, Guest said, without looking away from the candle. King Olaf sat back down. Say what now? Guest asked if King Olaf had wondered how he had lived since the time of Sigurd Fafnisbane, how he had been an advisor to Ivar the Boneless and been around when William the Conqueror tore open Ivar's tomb 200 years later. Uh, no, not really, King Olaf replied. I mean, we all just assumed you were lying. He was met with nods from around the table. Guest cocked an eyebrow, and the king waved him on. They would learn the end of Guest's story. In the days when he was born, days before they ventured west, before the Christians, there were women who visited children on the day of their birth. Only special children, mind you. And Guest was one such child. These women were called Norns. On that day, 300 years ago, three women had arrived as his mother labored and gave birth. It was the dead of night, and the room was illuminated with candles. There were three sisters, three Norns who arrived. The eldest announced to Guest's mother that he would be a favorite of fortune. The middle Norn put forth the prophecy that he would be a greater man than any of his kin. The third Norn was angry. Seriously, they were just going to spout off all the good prophecies before her turn? He'll be fortunate and his name will be great. Really? Cool. It was also like all the Vikings cared about. They talked about this. Leave some prophecies for number three already. Come on. The eldest turned to her sister. They had a certain aura of mystique to keep up here, so if she had a problem, they could talk about this on the way home. Just say your prophecy. Oh, the prophecy? Okay, the youngest sister said, looking at the candle burning next to her head. The boy that was born today wouldn't live longer than that candle burned. She knew it was kind of wrong to take out her anger on a child, but the sisters had it coming. The mother gasped, and then paused. Wait. The eldest Norn sighed and handed the mother the candle. The mother blew it out. So... The eldest Norn nodded. Yep, he's functionally immortal now. 
the mother turned and thanked the eldest Norn. She had given them the greatest gift of all. So it was a magic candle, King Olaf said. And do you still have the magic candle? Gess smiled and looked at the candle that was in front of him, the one that had been lit to show off the brilliance of the gold, and the one that had been burning all night while he told his story. The king was about to spout off another comeback, but the candle burned low, and Guest looked different. He had been old when he arrived, but in the flickering light, Guest now looked ancient. Olaf grabbed the candle snuffer, but Guest stopped his hand. Olaf was a good king, and he was the first person in 300 years to ask for Guest's story. Guest had lived in the time of legends, and now, he supposed, he was a legend himself. He had a fortunate life. He had been honored above his ancestors and peers. There was just one more prophecy to be fulfilled. He had walked among giants, and it was time for his story to end among friends. Guest turned to Olaf, but he could see the man looking down in anxiety. Guest allowed himself a chuckle that turned into a full-throated, wheezy cough. When he at last settled down, he gestured to the king. Guest knew Olaf wished him to be baptized. He was fearful for Guest's soul. As an ancient man, Guest had served the old gods, but he reckoned they were gone now. He would do what he needed to get right with the new. With a sideways glance at the short candle, with less than an inch to go, Guest asked the king to hurry. And so, it was done. After Guest was baptized, they laid him out on a bench, the candle beside him starting to sputter and flicker. Guest smiled and let out one long, final breath. He died with King Olaf holding his hand. His long journey from the son of a Viking to the servant of legends to the friend of a king was complete. silence. No one moved. No one hardly breathed. At last, King Olaf stood. By dying, Guest was proof. Proof that the myths and legends of their past had been real. Acer, giants, elves, magic rings and hero kings, even dragons, they had all walked this earth, and their stories now lived on. For the first time, King Olaf wondered about his own story. What would they say about him when he died? Would he deserve to stand among the giants of the past? That's it for this week. I really like this story because it kind of gave us a new perspective on some of those older stories. And I like the idea of there just being this like 
cool, chill best friend that's hanging out with Sigurd and Ragnar and Ivar the Boneless the whole time that is just not mentioned in the stories. Next week, we are getting back to Greek mythology with the story of Achilles. We'll revisit our favorite epic hero daycare and see how Achilles finally gets roped into the war with the Trojans. I want to say thanks to Alexandria Nolandia, Ellie McQuestion, Black Sax, Foot Flapping Flopperflace, 101 Vintage, OK Garcia, Mushy Noodles, BCC 1321, Mazer P, Muggy Moo, Busy Dizzy, Luna Ruiz, Anna Rose James, and Mama Plays Piano for the reviews on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much for the reviews. It is so great to hear from you. And if you'd like to leave a review, Apple Podcasts is still the best place. You can find the show there at apple.mythpodcast.com. The creature this week is the Mosolanja from throughout Africa. If you're thinking that, hey, I would probably notice if my significant other had a long, scaly tail with a mouthful of sharp teeth at the end of it, congrats. You're a more observant spouse than nearly all the stories of the Mosolanja. The Mosolanja is a monster that's exactly like a human, except for their scaly body, mouthful of super sharp reptile teeth, and a long tail with a mouth on the end. When you're walking through the forest and you hear someone behind you whisper obvious lies, like the sky is green or vaccines cause autism, don't turn around, because if you turn around, you're trapped. A young woman named Fiane, who was on her way to get married, turned around, and she saw the scaly form of the Mosolancha standing before her, smiling. The moment Fiane turned, she was in the creature's power, and the creature demanded that they trade clothes. Fiane would wear the creature's rags, while the creature wore Fiane's bridal gown. To hide the scales, the creature smeared fat, like lard, all over her body, and she tucked the tail up into her skirt. When they made it to the next village, the Mosolancha claimed that she had captured the girl, who was actually the Mosolancha, and she convinced her new husband to put the girl to work. The girl was blamed when all the food in the house went missing, and it was only through the help of one kind old lady, who clearly saw through the fat-smeared lard ruse, that Fignane was liberated. How, you ask? Milk. Apparently, Mosolanchas love milk. The little old lady put a saucer of milk in a hole in the center of town, and the people of said town were shocked when the merchant's new wife backed up to the hole, dropped a tail from her dress, slurped the milk up via said tail, and took a long nap. It was then that the people kicked the sleeping monster into the hole and buried it. The real Fignane married the merchant, and everyone lived happily ever after. Well, everyone but the Mosolancha, that is. Though, who could really resist giving up the life of your dreams? the one that you worked so hard to con yourself into for a tepid bowl of milk that's been sitting out in the sun. That's it for this week. Myths and Legends is by Jason and Carissa Weiser. Our theme song is by the band Broke for Free, and the Creature of the Week music is by Steve Combs. There are links to even more music in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you next time.